don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Hello, Renegade Nation. This is Everly Isby, connecting the dots right here on Renegade Talk Radio. And this is Wednesday, October 11th, 2017. Uh, my last show, the 4th of October, I waited a few days. I wanted to gather some stuff, but I covered solely into the tragic events in Las Vegas on October 1st. But, you know, who isn't still talking about it? So I'm going to continue more because I've gathered a lot more information that the mainstream media and the official narrative is denying. But I have absolutely, uh, totally believe right now that it was absolutely a false flag. That what the official narrative is spewing is not the truth, but a cover-up. And I still stand by that. In the final analysis, it was what I can only call a staged operation, which was much larger than what has been reported in, once again, the official narrative of the lone gunman angle. This atrocity has to have come from the top down. And I also stand by the fact that people were killed and wounded, but there were also crisis actors on the scene and in hospitals. So it's Renegade Nation, it's a mixed bag. Some of it is real and some of it is fake. The lone gunman routine they're foisting off on us, that's clearly part of the fake. Because the evidence shows that there were multiple shooters, as anyone can easily conclude if they have looked beyond this charade by mainstream media, local Las Vegas officials, and the narrative coming from the federal level. It is simply falling apart, as that narrative, as the internet is awash with live footage and testimony of witnesses who were on the Strip October 1st. Something much bigger was at play that night, and at other properties, down along the Strip. I've heard numerous accounts that include weapons fire coming from many different directions and firing incidents at the Bellagio Hotel and Casino, the Aria, the Tropicana, the Flamingo, New York, New York, and Excalibur uh, so far. That's what I've heard so far. I've seen video footage of a shooter... Uh, shooter's muzzle fire coming from Mandalay Bay, yes, from Mandalay, but low down around the fourth story level, not the 32nd floor. Obvious evidence that is much that a much larger operation was in play that night. And I'm going to briefly describe two testimonials I've heard. The first one that I'm going to talk about comes from a couple that were from California and they were staying at the Bellagio. Uh, which is about a mile or two away from the Mandalay Bay Harvest Music Festival area of the Strip. They had no clue what was going on down the road. But this couple were in Vegas to celebrate their wedding anniversary with friends. A few of those friends were attending the Harvest Music Festival, and they were waiting for them to show up. So this must have been later. Uh, I can't remember exactly when the shooting started in the Mandalay Bay Harvest Music Festival area, Um, but they were expecting their friends to be arriving any moment. They still hadn't even had ordered cocktails or anything. They were just waiting. Um, now where they were in the Bellagio, I'll describe to you in case you've never been there. As you come in the main entrance of the Bellagio lobby, there is the front desk to your left, and then to your right is the entrance to the casino. And as you enter into the casino, very shortly along the way, there is the first piano bar. This is where they were seated so they could clearly see into the lobby area. Now, as they were sitting there talking, all of a sudden, automatic rifle fire 
very close, very loud, just outside the front entrance, erupted. And people from outside came spewing into the lobby area. She said they didn't even go around things. They just went through everything to get away from the automatic rifle fire that was just outside. And her husband, who is former military, he knew exactly what was going on and immediately grabbed her and shoved her to the floor and covered her with his own body. She said she also at the same time was comforting a woman who was laying next to her who was crying. And this went on for, I don't know, uh, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, something like that. But as soon as it stopped, security personnel and, and uh, casino personnel started immediately rounding people up and heading them to the back of the Bellagio area down hallways where there were stores and things like that. And they locked them down there. That's when she started doing a live feed on her phone to her Facebook page so that she could let friends and family know that she and her husband were okay. She had no idea where her friends were. They hadn't showed up. And she had no idea that it would, she found out later that two of her friends had been shot. They weren't killed, but they were wounded. So while they're in the back area, the casino was being locked down uh, for security reasons and they were clearing out. Apparently there was broken glass because uh, there's a lot of glass work in the lobby in the Bellagio. So they had to wait for a couple of hours, cool in their heels, and there's just people everywhere around them. Um, and so they were walking through the area. They would, At one point, they went out uh, a double door onto a patio area, and security immediately ushered them back in and said, you can't come out here, you can't come out here. Um, and this was, like I said, after a couple of hours, they were finally allowed to go up to their room. Um, now... And then there was a second story that I just heard today, uh, released by Forbidden Knowledge TV. Um, this guy, he and his girlfriend, a young young couple, they were at the music festival, and they were really close to the stage, uh, right up front, to the right side of the stage, uh, when the automatic weapons fire began, and he said that immediately he saw people all around him dropping and he says he also described that there was a difference between the sound of shells hitting the ground or the sound of what you knew was it entering a human body he says it's a different sound and it's not a sound anyone should ever have to hear i i i can't get it out of my head kind of a stuff the trauma of it all but he described this ongoing agonizing effort to get away from the gunfire as many people have seen in the live footage at the festival that night and so he talked about running towards the back and then dropping as fire was raining around them and then getting up and running again he said it was so exhausting but they finally got to the back somewhere where they had to get over a 10-foot fence because once again as i said in the first show the exits were blocked so they made it over the fence, to, and he said thanks to a couple of guys who, were, who had already gotten over the fence and were helping women. You know, they were catching them as they were coming down from the fence so they wouldn't break bones. Um, and then their night went on as they were making their way to find safety. And they finally made it to the Tropicana, and this is where a weird thing started happening. He, he and his girlfriend came in a side door or something, and he said people were streaming in from everywhere. He says there was blood everywhere uh he saw a dead person laying on the floor and at one point during this melee a man entered the area 
and a very big guy, very muscular, and he had on a black shirt with white lettering. Uh, he thought maybe he was security or something. And the man said to them that they must go into the casino area. And this kid by now was not trusting anything or anyone. In fact, he said, we wanted to be away from groups of people. I wanted to be alone. I thought groups of people would be who would be fired at. So he didn't want to go into the casino. And he looked at the guy, and the guy had this suitcase. And he said, the man walked in. He was extremely calm. If you can imagine someone extremely calm in a situation like that. And he turned to the man and he said, what's in your suitcase? And I don't want to go into the casino, but what's in your suitcase? And the guy wouldn't answer. And then he kept asking him, what's in your suitcase? And so the guy, he said at that point, smirked and then lowered the suitcase down as if he was going to open it when more firing came from the casino area of the Tropicana Hotel. So the man immediately grabbed his suitcase and ran towards the casino, leaving them there. Now, who was that guy, and what was in that suitcase, and why did he smirk, just as he was portraying that he might be opening up that suitcase? Was he one of the shooters, trying to get all these people into the casino for more carnage? It's hard to say. But they eventually made it out at another door, and out onto the Tropicana's property, and for a couple of hours, they were either laying down or wandering around. They eventually found a dumpster that they took refuge in, had some cardboard that they covered themselves up with, but they could view across the way the Excalibur and the New York, New York across the way. And at one point, they not only saw muzzle fire outside on the street in that direction, but they heard it. Um, and this was now probably an hour or more after the music festival. This was still going on. So the only thing I can say, in the end, they ended up finding a policeman who told them to go back to the Tropicana. It was now secure and law enforcement was in there. Everything was under control. But they didn't get back to their actual hotel room at the Luxor, which was next to the Mandalay Bay, until about almost 4.30 in the morning. Um, all the time, helicopters flying over. And he said, you know, when we got there, we turned on the news and found that they were only saying that there were only two dead and maybe 20 wounded. When he said, that's totally, that's a false because they were seeing people being shot all around them at the music festival. So how can that be? He, he was stunned. His girlfriend was stunned. Um, so the events that happened that night are not as it's being portrayed. It is a cover-up of something much bigger. So I'm not going to go into any more detail about this. It's all over the Internet. I will say, though, that the trolls have also been busy altering the, the sound on videos that have been uploaded on YouTube and such, uh, the sound of ammo fire, um, and or also they're removing them altogether. So unless people downloaded and saved these things early on, Many videos may not represent what was originally posted. I just want to give you a heads up on that. Those that did save early postings, I'm sure, will be reposting as time goes on. So the real narrative will stay alive. I'm going to be right back here taking a short break. This is Everly Isby, Connecting the Dots. Non-stop shock radio. Renegade talk radio. Get an early start on ammunition to rip that asshole that'll be messing with you later. Hi again, this is Everly Isby, Connecting the Dots. And uh, all I can say, folks, is, is that if you haven't heard some of this stuff, uh, you really need to pay attention because this was a much 
stranger and a much larger operation, and it was professional. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and as for Stephen Paddock, their lone gunman, uh, hogwash, you know, he, he was either, to me, an innocent patsy, or as Carrie Cassidy commented uh, from Project Camelot, she wrote that he could have possibly been being used as a Manchurian candidate. And she said, quote, he was an avid gambler, and gamblers are heavily under mind control. And in this case, Paddock was an avid video poker player. This only facilitates inserting subliminal commands necessary to activate a sleeping assassin. With a number of other shooters operating that night, there could be no real way to tell if Pollock's gun was perhaps shooting blanks as a distraction or not. Not that law enforcement would ever reveal this, unquote. And that's something to think about here. But in truth, Renegade Nation, I have serious, serious doubts that Paddock was one of the shooters that night at all. And as I stated in my last show, he was a 64-year-old retired accountant, property manager who was not an avid gunman, nor did he have a military background. And sustaining full auto weapons fire takes strength and stamina, as I said. The weapons found in his suite, now this I got into uh, over this last week, I saw I saw pictures of that suite that he supposedly was in. And the weapons found there could easily have been planted because he, working alone, could not have managed to get all those guns and ammo required for this staging area into his room. Not with the overwhelming major hotel casino security measures already in place before this incident. He was also well known by employees at Mandalay Bay. Plus, because he was often stayed there. Uh, plus camera shots of Paddock's suite, which show the body of a dead man. Uh, there were relatively few ammo casings seen on the floor. Now, to pull off the amount of weapons fire that was heard raining into the music festival across the seat for the 10 or 12 minutes of that automatic weapons firing, if it all took place in that suite, well, there would be literally piles of ammo casings everywhere. Also, I saw no evidence of rug burns, for example, on the carpets, which would have been there. Automatic rifle fire. The guns get really hot, and so too are the casings that expel from the gun during firing. No rug burns, no massive shell casings present. Okay? Suspicion right there. And I want to talk further about security measures that have long been in place in these major hotel casinos. And while this is not well known to the public, because they don't really want it known, for a variety of very good reasons, major hotel casinos already have those naked scanner machines, like the ones at the airports, in place at entrance areas throughout their hotel casinos. These naked scanner machines are well hidden from view, out of sight, out of mind. And personnel staff monitoring the screenshots of the scanner machines 24-7. They know everything that goes on in their establishments at all times for very good reasons. Plus, casinos talk to each other all the time. Like, take, for example, a scenario like this. Um, let's say there's a patron in a casino somewhere, and he's being harassed, perhaps, by an aggressive hooker. So he complains to casino personnel. She gets kicked out of the casino. 
So she tries to enter another casino down the road, but is denied entrance, immediately blackballed down the line. So, and even, you know, I even listened to Steve Wynn say something, I'm paraphrasing, not a direct quote, but he said, you know, and Steve Wynn is a major hotel casino magnet, right? The Wynn Hotel, blah, 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 goes on and on. But he's come out in support of Stephen Paddock, and he said that he knew Stephen for like 11 years, and he described him as a very warm, friendly person that in no way would have been involved in what happened October 1st. Whether that's true or not, that's coming from Stephen Wynn. So, there's another thing that comes to mind, in my mind, that I would hope that President Trump has directed you know, the opening of an entire investigation into this and to go beyond the official narrative. But at the same time, all the intelligence and security agencies, I mean, Washington, D.C. in general, are in the midst of internal wars as they are all compromised, often on the take and often serving foreign government interests, such as the Zionist agenda that predominates in D.C., In a simplistic way, it is commonly described that there are white hats and black hats working against each other throughout all agencies of government. At the state and county levels across America, the governments are literally franchises of the parent companies in D.C., United States Incorporated and USA Incorporated. And I sincerely doubt anyone in political, judicial, or security enforcement positions has the ability to expose the truth of especially an event such as this. As corporate franchises to their parent companies, they have to follow their marching orders. They fall in line with the federal agenda. So the only thing we can do at this juncture is to turn our gaze to who potentially benefits from what happened at this false flag in Las Vegas. First, touting this event as the largest massacre in U.S. history, which is the theme song, theme song, excuse me, being repeated over and over. I mean, you know, when you say something over and over, it settles in people's minds and perspectives as the truth, and then they repeat it to others, whether it's true or not. But let's look at some of the agendas at play here, which need to be expanded on. And as I said, this will be yet another attack on the Second Amendment. But at this moment, it has already started with medical metal detectors being installed in casinos as we speak, which means a profit scheme to create a bigger and better police state because those susceptible to official narrative brainwashing techniques have swallowed the blue pill. And I'm going to take a quick break here. Something just come up. I'll be right back. This is Everly Isby connecting the dots. We don't sugarcoat shit. <laughs> this is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Hello again, Renegade Nation. This is Everly Isby. And as I've been talking about, if you've been listening to the testimonies that I've described to you from just average people who happen to be in Vegas, uh, on that fateful night, uh, that this was a professional op. It seems almost a rogue operation, and there are multiple players that were uh, active on the strip that night. Who or what is exactly behind it, we can only speculate. But as I tell you, I say it comes from the top down. When you look at the official official narrative of their sticking by their lone gunman theory, which has no plausibility whatsoever, 
But, you know, when it comes to these scenarios, there's always, as I said before the break, always those who benefit from these many myriad flag, false flag operations that are happening around the world and have been going on for a long time. And one thing that comes to my mind is that I, I hope, whether he publicizes this or not, that President Trump has directed the opening of a full-on investigation into this whole event. Uh, but at the same time, in my own mind, I'll go back and forth about this, as to how an outcome would be of an investigation, because all of the intelligence and security agencies and, you know, Washington, D.C. in general, are in the midst of internal wars, not only between the two-party tyranny of the Republicans and Democrats and who's in power and who's out, a majority of them are all compromised, these legislators from the Senate and the, and the House. They're compromised by blackmail operations on in special interest groups coming from there, such as the prolific Zion, the Zionist agenda at play, which utilizes sex trafficking and pedophilia in order to create the blackmail necessary to make them jump uh, and run to follow the agenda that they're trying to accomplish in their special interests. All of this is rampant throughout politics, the media, and the entertainment field as well. I mean, in truth, we can all lump it all together as all of it is the entertainment field for the good, that our politicians do for the interests in this country or of any other country around the world. With only a few exceptions, all these countries are private, mostly foreign-owned corporations. It's a, it's a, it's, it, it, and as I've said before, you don't have a for-profit corporation running a government because it's a conflict of interest. They're looking for profits and money as opposed to recognizing the needs of a country. And this is global renegade nation it's truly global but um but to take the recent outing of weinstein in hollywood as a perfect example it's all very sick and degenerate and it leads to the need or desire on the political end up in washington dc to create these false flag incidents to further their myriad criminal agendas but to get back to what's going on with this, these internal wars going on, on throughout D.C., the swamp, as Trump is trying to drain, trying so hard, but it's very difficult. But it's commonly described that there are white hats and black hats working against each other throughout all agencies of government. At the state and county levels, they take their marching orders from the federal level as they are literally franchises of the parent companies in D.C., United States Incorporated, and United States of America Incorporated. I seriously doubt anyone in political, judicial, or security enforcement positions at the state and county level have the ability to even begin to expose the real truth, as corporate franchises are compelled to fall in line with the federal agenda, their parent company. So, Renegade Nation, the only thing we can do at this juncture is to turn our gaze to who potentially benefits from what happened in Las Vegas, as sickening as that idea is to me, and I hope to you too, it is sickening. But people do benefit from this shit. First, touting this event over and over as the largest massacre in U.S. history, which is a theme song now. It's being repeated over and over. Say something over and over, and it settles in people's perspectives as the truth, and then they repeat it to others. 
and it becomes the truth whether it is or not. But let's look at some agendas at play here which need to be expanded on. And as I said, this will be yet another attack on the Second Amendment, but at this moment, what has already started is the installation of metal detectors uh, in casinos as we speak which means a profit scheme to a much bigger and better police state because those susceptible to uh, official narrative brainwashing techniques have swallowed this official narrative hook, line, and sinker. But it is interesting that the casinos, as I've already expressed, they have extraordinary security measures already at hand, whether they're visible or not. So now that they are introducing bag searches and metal detectors and stuff in your face as you go into the privacy of a hotel check-in process, <laughs> they're just in your face saying, no, no, we control you. You have no privacy. Yeah, that's where they're headed, okay? It's just obvious. But um, I listened to an interview from Victorus Libertas, and this is just to... to really pound down the idea that this is a false flag. Uh, Victorus Libertas did an interview with Robert David Steele, who I've talked about in past shows. Uh, but if you're not familiar, I'll briefly say that he is former CIA intelligence. And he said at the get-go of this interview, he said, and I'm quoting, quote, I also got from one of my deep web guys a conversation that took place on the deep web on the 10th of September announcing that Las Vegas was going to have a mass casualty event in October. Now, the way I would look at that as someone releasing that kind of information, I would say that would have been someone, perhaps a white hat in the intelligence community who's trying to out what's coming up to warn people, uh, those in the know on these deep websites. But anyway, Steele also announced flat out that it was most definitely a false flag event, whether people died or not. That it was concocted by the Ziocon deep state in which, and now he was naming names, Sheldon Adelson, who, for those who might be vague on him, is the founder, chairman, and chief executive officer, the CEO of Las Vegas Sands Corporation, which owns the Marina Bay Sands in Singapore and is the parent company of the Venetian Macau Limited which operates also the Venetian Resort Hotel Casino in Las Vegas and the Sands Expo and Convention Center. By the way, remember in the first show last week on this whole Las Vegas scenario, a uh, horrible mass shooting, is that I went to the Convention Center calendar of events that lists everything going on in Vegas. And curiously, from September 25th, when, as I told you before, Homeland Security was doing a conference a few days before this event actually occurred, and the event was, what do we do in case of a shooter? Oh, okay. So, anyway, Adelson also owns the Expo and Convention Center in Las Vegas, and between September 25th and October 3rd, absolutely nothing was listed as going on in Las Vegas. Nothing. It was blank. Started up again October 3rd. Went blank September 25th. Hmm, what do you think about that? But uh, Sheldon Adelson also owns the Israeli daily newspaper Israel Hayom. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Hayom. And also the Las Vegas Review Journal. Now Mr. Steele brings up that Adelson and Michael Chertoff, if you remember that name, Chertoff is a Zionist first 
former Secretary of Homeland Security and co-author of that wonderful USA Patriot Act, that absolutely fascist, unconstitutional legislation. Now, Steele stated that they are in a co-conspiracy with others, and he included who would have to be on that list. And he said the governor of the state of Nevada, local law enforcement, the Israeli ambassador, and APAC. And in addressing the tremendous presence of the heavy Ziocon influence across government, supported by legislators, agency bureaucrats across the board, Steele mentioned that there is legislation currently in the makes to make it a felony to criticize Israel. Now, this is not a slam against the Jewish people. This is a slam against the Zionist agenda, which controls the state of Israel. Okay? I'm making that clear. This is not against Jewish people. But Steele mentioned that there, like I said, it's a felony to criticize Israel. Uh, I find, you know, it's it's hard to believe on the one hand, and then on the other hand, I, I, I totally believe that, yeah, that's true, but I'm sorry, excuse me. And as Steele stated, and I agree with him, those who are sponsoring that bill and any who vote for it should be arrested, kicked out of office. I mean, it is such a blatant, unconstitutional, major threat to America's interests. Adelson and Chertoff, by the way, <clears throat> own a couple of companies that sell security technologies. <laughs> Self-interest there, you think? Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Renegade Nation? The Las Vegas false flag event, in a nutshell, therefore, is potentially a huge financial scam, along with the trauma that was induced during this event, which creates the fear necessary for people to accept further security measures and an ever-increasing police state. That's the bottom line. These people stand to make buco bucks in metal detectors, uh, gun towers, um, steel stipulated gun towers, and, and he said to triangulate the gun thing. Uh, and I think what Steele meant at that time um, is assuming, I'm assuming is reference to a technology that immediately locates exactly where gunshots originate. They, these, these, Security companies, they, they also provide the security services, the personnel, and other related security products that will now be in place at all major hotels nationwide. But I imagine they dream of taking these systems global in their broader vision of mass control and even more profits. Uh, also, to take note of this company, it's called OSI Systems. And this is related to, once again, Michael Chertoff and his group, Chertoff Group, which is a private security and consulting agency. Michael Chertoff uh, was Secretary of Homeland Security, as I said, from 2005 to 2009. And during that time frame of his being Secretary of Homeland Security, we had, remember the underwear bomber incident? Do you remember that? Well, and I think everybody remembers that failed plan to blow up, blow up a, a a commercial airliner en route to the USA. But there was um, a, a court case or that was filed by a couple who were on that flight. Uh, they were a couple that were sitting at the gate waiting to board when they witnessed uh, this black guy, the underwear bomber in other words, being escorted by two guys in suits. If you catch my drift, I mean, you know, intelligence operatives, right? But they escorted him right up to the gate attendants 
they overheard them saying that he had no passport or documentation, but that he must get on this flight. This black man was then escorted by the two suits and a gate, key, a gate attendant into a private through a private door. And later on, at some point, he boarded that flight. Okay, failed bombing attempt was a false flag, folks. But what happens after this event? Michael Chertoff, a Secretary of Homeland Security, uh, was a very heavy public proponent of the rapid scan naked body scanners that were put into place after that event by OSI Systems, the maker of those machines, which were installed at airports everywhere. Although I will say, a lot of those rapid scan naked body scanners that are so disgusting to have to go through have a lot of them have been pulled out of the airports because of growing cancer clusters that have are being suffered by those who are exposed often to the high radiation levels coming off those scanners like TSA agents and stuff that work there every day so those scanners that have been pulled are now sitting idle somewhere in warehouses just ready and waiting to be redeployed into now into the hotels and bus stations and anything else they require companies to purchase after these new regulations and legislations are rolled out after this Vegas night of horror. So does this start to make sense to you what the purpose behind this Las Vegas incident was? It's a false flag, folks and the ensuing financial scam to introduce those expensive, indignity-creating, and intrusive rapid-scan radiation-spewing units into all of the hotels and bus stations and you name it. Just watch this as it starts to roll out. Let's see how this plays out. But back to the information regarding who benefits. There's another name that comes to mind and I got this from some of the research uh, that Forbidden Knowledge TV released. Here's another name along with Adelson and Chertoff we have James J. Murren who is CEO of MGM International and who happens to own Mandalay Bay and other properties. Murren also just happens to be, hear this, a sitting member of the Department of Homeland Security's National Infrastructure Advisory Panel. He sits on a group called, wait, wait a second, I have to take a deep breath here. It's called the Critical Infrastructure Security Resilience Research and Development Working Group, where they write reports on things that they can do to get legislation and regulations passed. What can we do to get them to pass this stuff and put security technology infrastructure into uh, various places of their desired intent? How to make it affordable for, in this case, the hotels and casinos, the bus stations and other companies who would now be required upcoming to purchase these machines along with the blossoming security staffs that will need to be hired. And they also consider things on this panel like public acceptance of such technologies. So James J. Murren, who sits on this Homeland Security panel, also just happens to be the CEO of the company that owns Mandalay Bay. This is a mixed bag of opportunism, Renegade Nation. Chew on that, my friends, if you still think this was the work of a lone gunman. You know, I have to say that I am sick of talking about these scenarios that have 
come into play in the past and, and now in this present time. You know, and I sincerely hope that anyone listening to this or scanning the internet, YouTube for videos and, you know, people who are giving their testimonies and witnesses and stuff that were on the scene that night. You know, especially if you know friends and family that are actually buying the official narrative, or conversely, if they need their suspicions about this event confirmed, pass it on to others. Pass everything on that you come across that shows the bullshit behind this official narrative. We need to stop consenting to a bigger and better police state. No matter what horrific false flags they throw our way, whether real dead and wounded or not, say a resounding no to the bigger, better police state. Boycott any company or corporation that installs more security devices. Vote out the legislators that are passing legislation that will surely be coming to us from our friendly representatives who represent no one but themselves. Do not consent. Grab hold of the power you actually have because these people depend on your consent to serve these special interests that are not yours. You say, no. You call bullshit. You don't. So they won't be able to get away with these disgusting mind games and trauma events that screw your head on backwards. No matter how horrible these false flags can be, don't buy what they're selling behind it. Take care. Focus on your friends and family. And please, I mean, if you're buying the official narrative, I feel sorry for you is all I can say. I'm closing out here. And as always, Renegade Nation, thanks for listening. This is Everly Isby, connecting the dots. And this is Renegade Talk Radio. Bye-bye. <laughs>